everyone, welcome to the final beta of the Else Nerd show. Uh, my name is Gregor Sprague and joining me is Corey Scott. And Corey, I'll ask you how you're doing in a second, but first, we have a guest for our final beta. It is Sean Burns, fresh off of the, what was it, 12-hour uh, Wolf King Studios marathon that you guys did? I wish. It was 24 hours. That's right. That's right. 24 hours. Yes. 12 times 2. Yep. Keeper Sutherland called and asked why you didn't save the president at the same amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's fresh off of that, um, off of the marathon to raise money for autism, which we will talk about more later. But Sean, how how you doing? Have you recovered? I am. I slept a few hours yesterday afterwards and then uh, went to bed last night around 10 and woke up this morning at 10 after 12 hours of sleep. And uh, I feel much better now. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, Corey, how are you doing? How's your week been? Uh, last week was kind of excruciating. Yeah. Not anything that I, I care to get into yet. Maybe I'll save it for a very special episode. Uh, which comes next? Delta? Are we are we Delta after this? Are we Gamma? Um, I think we're just drop the the numerals or the you know Greek letters beforehand because the next step is just going over to Galactic Netcasts and so Sanskrit. Yes. All right. Exactly. That'll be fun. We just become the Elsner Show episode Superman logo. <laughs> I will kill you. I will kill you dead. <laughs> Actually, okay. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the hosts tonight. I mean, now that we got Sean here, we've got a trio of facial hair. This this is what I've wanted for a long time, uh, but it it required there to be at least one more of us to to reboot the show and call it Beards Against Humanity. Uh, the go. only thing I'm ever worried about is if one of us shaves and has to leave. So that's why I thought if we have three, then we're okay. So my question then to our silent producer, since he's you know, he had the surgery. Does that mean he has a beard or half a beard? Or how is that working for Beatmaster? Beatmaster here? can get away with mutton chops. Well, I would. No, I wasn't talking about half. I'm talking about like, like if he had his hand, like you know, just like full on there. Okay, so he's, he's rocking the full beard. So here we go. There's our fourth. There's our fourth. All right, and <laughs> uh, Evan just has to marry somebody who will make it seem like he's into. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I was in there going, wait, wait, where is this going here? <laughs> Sorry, Evan. Um, <laughs> no, I've, I've got podcasts on the brain. It, it, like, like I said, last week was a was a long week, but it was also a lot of podcasting fun, and yeah. uh, that's always a good time. No, yeah, definitely, because you were on what, like, seven podcasts? I no, I was not on as many as I thought I was going to be. I expected to be on something with Ink Geeks uh, two days in a row. Actually, I, I was expecting it. Uh, and the week before, and I was also thinking I was going to be on the Comics Online podcast, but we never really solidified things. So it's just the regular shows, and then Sci-Fi Geeks Club, and then I helped out on a couple episodes for Sean's ordeal. Nice. Mm -hmm. And put him through hell doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, so the week for me been pretty was pretty good. Um, got a tooth pulled on Thursday, and so that was fun. Um, that's where you see in in my show notes, you guys, not the viewers at home. I saw part of Despicable Me Two and one of the parts of the Caribbean movies because I went to the dentist like back to back, first for the examination, then second for the actual. Oh, hey, you got to pull a tooth, 
and I don't remember which one it was, but it was the one where they had the big ball that was made out of bones and all that and had Davy Jones. I can't, I cannot remember which one. I, th- I think it's the third one. Were you already under the anesthesia when you started no, dreaming about this? This stuff? was me filling out paperwork. <laughs> okay. Uh, when I had my wisdom teeth pulled, they had me sign the waiver after they had already injected me and given me the gas. <laughs> it was the last conscious thought I had was like, you're making me sign, you son of a bird. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of a <laughs> But no, so that's enough about our week because um, we have some news and some bittersweet news. I'm trying to re- look at this from a positive aspect and that is the news that Curtis J. Weeby puts Rat Queen's comic on hiatus. This came from Bleeding Cool and the co- and the co-creator of the book basically just sent out two tweets after long consideration. I've decided to put Rat Queen's on hiatus and the huge thank you to Tess Fowler and then T. Bonvillian um, for their incredible work and patience through every three, th- hire the hell out of them. And it's one of those things that, again, I am, it is a bittersweet thing for me because I read uh, Rat Queens very early on. This was one of the things that, one of the, one of the show or books that I got into right when I started getting into comics when Glenn uh, Rubenstein gave me my uh, HP touchpad and it, I instantly fell in love with this book and then it, production started to slow down because of the whole um There thing. was a problem with the original artist yeah. slash creator, um, some legal issues, and I don't really want to get no. into that because that's that's someone else's business. I know that that's all over the websites. But, of course, so then you have one of the the co-creators of the book that visually was what drawing people into it uh, and finding that there was also a great story there on top of that disappear uh we got steven last name unpronounceable to draw it for two issues and then he had health problems pull him away and uh tess fowler who had only been doing fan art related to it jumped in and took it upon herself to be the artist for the book and i think did a very admirable job but at that point in time in the span of three issues you'd gone through two different art styles and it lost momentum uh curtis obviously felt emotional collapse in relation to the fact that you know he lost his partner on the book too that's something that's not easy to go through someone that's your friend and having to you know go on without them uh so it's it's a pretty messy situation that i think he's right to take a step back, but he's taking a step back. He's not canceling. And I know that he's also run into some stuff with uh, Peter Panzerfaust, which has been on hiatus for a little while, too. He's got another series coming out from Dark Horse, which is a darker book, and it sounds like that's more or less therapeutic for him at this point. Yeah. like, And, and I mean, the silver lining for me, because is I like I thought Peter Panzerfaust was done, and I'm sitting there trying to remember how the end of the book was, I'm like, wait a minute, but there wasn't a distinct ending. I think there were two issues that were still supposed to come out. Yeah. And so, and I mean, the dude's great. I will probably be checking out uh, the new book from Dark Horse is called Bounty. And, and it's, it is 
bittersweet, but hopefully what this means is that Bounty will become really good and this will be what he needs creatively to get the juices flowing for Rat Queens and Peter Panzerfaust. I mean, because that was a great story. Um, and Sean, I don't know, you, you told me before that you, you're not really big into comic books, but I mean, have you, you've heard of these books before, right? No, actually, I'm woefully underread when it comes to a lot of, especially the independent comic books. I've got the uh, the Marvel app, the Marvel Unlimited app, and I do, you know, try to get my hands on um, as much decent stuff as I can, but unfortunately between the podcasting, the kids and, and um, uh, attending school comic books is reading anything really is a, a tough spot for me mostly like anything I even read is audiobook form in the car so um, you know it's it's one of those things I, I enjoy looking at them online and things like that but I just I don't know enough about them or and, and unfortunately these books are outside of my purview. Yeah um, so real quick for you and for anyone else um Rat Queens was a sort sort of like D and D, but all the characters are female. And all the uh, the main characters the, the, in yeah, this the group are female. Yeah, the main characters, the Rat Queens, are female, and they fit a, a, a typical a stereotypical D and D party. You've got your yeah. wizard, your cleric, your dwarven fighter, and your uh, gnome thief, yeah, and okay. uh, but. I mean, we're talking about a book that emphasizes four female leads, which is rarely something that you get at all, especially when it's a high-octane adventure, kicking ass the whole way through book. Um, mm. So this is this was delightful. And as uh, we're looking at an industry that is starting to get its bearings and realizing that there is a market beyond just the... I'm going to talk in stereotypes here, the 40-year-old typical white male living in his parents' basement, uh, <laughs> which, you know, let's be frank, uh, Sean's in a basement right now, and I am in my 40s and have collected comics my whole life, and I, I certainly fit that demographic to a certain degree. Mm. But we're seeing comics that are made for women. We are seeing comics made for different races. We are so co seeing comics that are embracing the uh, GLBT community and that's that's fantastic and this book really captured people's uh, imagination and love very quickly had a great following in the cosplay circuit which some people frown at because you know not real geeks um, which is bullshit I'm going to close my window my in a second daughter, my daughter would take some umbrage with that but that's yeah, okay <laughs> and she should she absolutely should uh, I don't. I don't believe that there is a rating system for your geekery. You you like what you like, but that's the thing: is that this developed very quickly, had a big following, a very serious, beloved following, that supported it. So it, you don't want to see it go away. You want to see it come back and succeed again. But you 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 have to also give in to, the guy's got to do what he needs for his own mental health. Mm. So, and then, so, I mean, that was Rat Queens. And then Peter Panzerfaust is easier for me to explain because it's Peter Pan set in World War One. Oh, so, okay. So Peter is a, a an American um, who's come over, um, but it's never really mentioned if he's actually in the military or not. 
all the the lost boys are um are french um and it all takes place through their point of view is there's this uh you're you're reliving it in the past through um someone who's doing interviews with the other lost boys in a more recent time period and then um hook is a nazi um i forget the name it was like hawken was his name captain hawken and it was really cool to see just the the art and the storytelling of a story that is familiar mm-hmm. with you know with peter pan but twisting it and making it into something completely different and just being awesome in that way um but yeah so i mean this is again sad news but bounty it's, it's yep. like he's he's leaving he's still gonna be doing he's gonna be doing bounty and bounty and, is he's described as rat queens meets firefly uh so right off sold, the bat that sounds sold. pretty damn good <laughs> sold on both parts right there because i mean rat queens was freaking awesome beat showed the cover to it earlier or the cover to i think it was issue 17 earlier and then this is the cover right here for bounty if you're uh, watching on audio or if, if you're watching on video listening on audio check out our video on youtube if you're watching on audio, it tastes like licorice. Exactly. <laughs> um, hey, words are fun. Okay. So the next story that I want to hit at is a quick one and could also be shameless plugs. Um, and that's that YouTube or that, that podcasts are now available on Google Play Music. Um, and this is cool because, hey, all three of us do podcasts Ooh. and... Uh, someone's may or may not already be on Google Google Play Music talking about a certain co-host of Podcast of Terror. So, Corey, how does it feel to be on Google? Uh, I don't know yet because my goddamn app hasn't updated, so I can't hear myself. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 cool. It it's really neat. I saw the story pop up on the stream today. I posted it into our our slack chat and dave's like oh yeah i've got us i've got us all in there i'm like well that's anticlimactic but still awesome yeah uh, <laughs> just you know it i it, it will be interesting to see how it integrates with the rest of it google play is my music player of choice uh i'm i've been a subscriber uh since before they when they had the the promo price which i guess i get to keep for like ever uh unlike netflix which is going up in price next month and uh, I really like it. I like the way that it utilizes both my music that I already had going in and their music. The The thing with Podcatchers is I keep winding up on Stitcher just because it's so well organized without I, what I've already been using. But I look for things that are that are better. I, I, I've tried Dogcatcher. I've tried Beyond Pod. Uh, it's just it's the ordeal of like moving everything over. Since this is something that I already open, it may be great, but I just I want to know that it's gonna be easy to get into, be easy to listen to. Like uh, the new episodes are up. I listen to them in this order. These are the ones that I always listen to. These are the ones that I download. Maybe get to. Uh, that's all I'm really hoping for. Is you know, is it is it gonna be usable? I and think, I, the I music think... stuff is sometimes tricky. Yeah. Because I think the one of the things that Google has done for me with the music part, because I'm 
I, how much how much do you pay for uh Google, I, for Google Play? I pay 7.99 a month. Yeah, I'm paying I think I'm paying 8 or 9.99. I can't I can't remember exactly right now. Um and yeah, I'm paying 9.99. Um cuz Hulu is my 7.99 one cuz they're both due at the same time. Um and so but with that the, the the cool thing for me is that the um the the radio stations offer really great discovery at times like if you're like with the and this is on both free and paid so you don't you don't have to worry about about that but like the oh if you're just hanging out or you know how the commercials are you want to listen to some sun sunburnt synths and you know stuff like that I haven't found the sunburnt synths part yet myself but like the discovery there has been great like and I've, I've even it's even caused me to start discussions because uh, one of the things I hear I found was um what was it the uh 80s one hit wonders or 80s or 90s one hit wonders and I'm like oh no yeah it was 80s because I'm like wait Twisted Sister is not a one hit wonder band <laughs> I mean like they've had at least three or four hits so to put them mm-hmm. on that playlist is bogus sort of deal. And so this is what I hope the podcast thing will have is a um is the ability to have or to to have discoverability more than just and they give the examples of uh learn something new which includes podcasts like stuff you should know and how to do everything and then another one like laugh out loud featuring shows like Mark Marin's WTF and Chris Hardwick's The Nerdist. My hope is that you will have um that you will have that the discoverability will be more than just the bigger names than you know than the Joe Rogans the Mark Marins the Leo Laportes in here uh, and get to the to the Wolf King Studios the Galactic Netcast sort of things yeah well, since I'm looking at the page with the podcast of terror on it right now, uh, it apparently does have these smaller names or the smallest of names, and of people, heart. Uh, <laughs> I'm just—it's just nice to see all the episodes going down the line, all the way back to the the welcome to, uh, with their little explicit tags. That does me proud. Yeah, that's the other part. Is the part is, if it, it hopefully it makes it easier to do the um ex- like for example for like netcast with their their mega feed where not everything is explicit like i think once we get on there they'll have two shows that are explicit and it's mainly because i'm lazy enough to just be like yeah you know what? i don't want to do the editing and censor out things so <laughs> no one I'll, can I'll... keep up with me on that man yeah you, you don't need that kind of work <laughs> wasting away to nothing Exactly. You should try editing uh, an episode of Trivia Geeks when Carrie goes off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> I, just gave up. Around, I, I was bleeping just the F-bombs up until around episode 14, and I just threw my hands in the air and said, screw it. it it's mm. like hurting my pants and just go for it. That's when you had us on, though, right? That's when Matt oh, yeah. and I showed up. Oh, yeah. no, it's, really? it's, we would have wrecked it for you anyway. Yeah. Although, <laughs> if, you, if you haven't heard last week's Sci-Fi Geeks Club, uh, I think I was the only one who didn't win a belt. <laughs> that's that's impressive, Corey. That's it, it pretty was, impressive. Yeah. Um, especially when you're on there with a with a host like Tasteful Dave. I think it was the rest of the host that got Tasteful Dave to that point. 
Oh, nice. Um, so the the third story before we get into the the reviews here is Amazon has a new strategy here, um, but will it work? Will it, will this pay off? Um, this was covered by a lot of people already, but the news is that um, Amazon is making the Prime Video available monthly for eight ninety nine, which is a which they add is a dollar less than Netflix. Um, and then you can also do um, full Amazon Prime for ten ninety nine a month, um, which in the long run for a year you're still paying more than Amazon Prime. Like if you just did the year of Amazon Prime, but it gives you the the option where a hundred bucks up front is an expense, ten ninety nine a month, and then you stick with it for four months, uh, especially if you get to do it through the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife's birthday is uh, January 31st. My birthday is in October, but no one gets me shit. So, um, so I get Amazon Prime starting November, keep it through the end of January, early February, and for that 40 bucks, I've gotten Prime, watched all my videos, yeah. read a lot of Kindle stuff, gotten my free shipping, and I'm good. I can wash my hands of it. So it winds up costing me less than the $99 for the whole year where I might not utilize it through the summertime or whatever. No. Yeah. And I mean, so Sean, what is, what are you, what are your opinions on this? Because I mean, for me, it's, it is an interesting thing, but then it's like you break, especially when they break down that math and say, Oh, it's still going to be cheaper for you to do Amazon prime. It's like, well, why don't I just, why don't I just do the full prime? Yeah. You know, I think for, for me, it's, it's exactly what Corey says. Laying out a hundred dollars at one shot when I've got four kids, I'm on disability, I'm doing all these other things. It's that is a, a tougher expense to justify than the ten ninety nine a month. I think the bigger issue for me with this is I just don't like Amazon's catalog as much. And they I think Doctor you know, Who. They do, and I and I have Amazon Prime because. Um, we are doing a show over on Wolf King that just started. We haven't released it yet, but we've been doing the, the pre-recordings and everything called Streaming Geeks, and we look at shows on uh, primarily Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, so I have to have the three accounts. But, you know, it's uh, – I don't know. It, it's gonna, it would be a tough sell for me if I didn't need it because I really just don't enjoy the catalog that Amazon has. I'm not drawn enough to it, and I don't like the way they have things set up in their – um, their Play Store on the um, on the PS4, which is where I usually watch these things, because you you start to look at these. Um, they have their free stuff and everything, but when you search for something, it'll come up and you won't know whether it's free or Prime until you open it. And so it's yep. it's kind of misleading and it just kind of you know gets annoying the way they do it. So I mean I think they've got some work to do to clean that up. I wish they had a better catalog, but. You know, I, I'm still there because I need to have it anyway. But yeah, and and so that's yeah, that's and, kind and of so the that's, crux that's of my kind issue of with Prime is that as they keep coming up with more services, you're kind of guessing what's in your Prime or what isn't. Uh, right. Certain things ship with the free shipping, and then a lot of stuff it turns out doesn't. But they don't really say that up front. They say, oh, Amazon Prime, you get free shipping. Well, sometimes. 
and <laughs> uh, they have the Amazon Prime book loaning thing for Kindle, uh, so you can borrow a book a month, or there's the $9 a month whatever version of Kindle Unlimited, which is separate. So it's you think, oh, well, I've got Amazon Prime, so I'm going to get to read all these books. Nope still a different service. So now they've got a whole bunch of breakout things and you don't know what you're getting. And the Prime Video, for the 9 bucks a month, I would expect it to be all of the stuff. Like, not just the stuff that's been in Prime normally, but everything else should be in there for that 9 bucks because it looks really sexy to say we're a dollar cheaper than Netflix, but there ain't nothing on Netflix that you can't watch if you're a subscriber. Everything right. that's on the Netflix streaming, you get. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense to to do this. The last perk that the Prime paying for it annually versus the Prime monthly is the save 25% prepayment, uh, which I know uh, Amy Frost was saying the other day, she's using that for video games. She, she gets her stuff through Prime because 25% off of Overwatch when it finally comes out is a, is a big deal to her. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that one. I, this is I, like this is like what Hulu did. Yeah, having all these different tiers of services and you not being sure what you were going to get. Yeah. yeah, Netflix is clean. It's simple. It's robust, and you know, to me, it's still the still the top of the of the game. And the others have a long, long way to go to catch them. Yeah, and I'm giving them shit for for raising the prices on people who have been there to raising it to what they've had other people paying new subscribers. But it's ten bucks a month, and ten bucks a month, I definitely get what I need out of mm. Netflix in that ten bucks a month. It, it yeah. is it is a well earned tenor. And when I know Amazon has good original programming, but I still think Netflix is is eating everyone's lunch when it comes to that sort of stuff. So it, it's just it still seems to me to be the best deal is with Netflix. But you yeah, know, I, like- I do I do see that changing though, because. Hulu, its biggest sell is the fact that, you know, you get that next day or three days after um, of content that's airing now from the right. from four of the big five networks. Right. Um, and if they could keep it more, if they could keep the seasons as they progressed, as opposed to you can only do the last five episodes, which... I can go on Fox.com and watch the last five episodes of The Simpsons. I don't need Hulu for that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of the, the, the issue I have with them. If they could do the whole season, then I would be much happier. Right. But, you know, but I do agree with you that, that is their, that's their difference between Netflix and, and Hulu is they have the current content, whereas Netflix has to wait till the end of the year. And um, then I before... think – and then with Amazon, I think what they're, they're uh, planning for the future a little bit – because they're going to get, like, Doctor Who is the exclusive home now for them. And then if you want to watch uh, the old school Top Gear, you want to watch uh, Hammond, Clarkson, and May, you're going to have to go to Amazon. Yeah, but in every not. one of those cases, you're talking about content that if you were a really big fan, you've probably already watched it. I'm and... talking about future content. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Cause for... And that's the thing. Is it, it What separates them at this point is the content that they're, they're going to have that they're making themselves. Mm-hmm. Because the stuff that's been out there, uh, one, that stuff just trips over itself going from service to service. Yeah. Uh, so Doctor Who is exclusive on Amazon today, but you can bet your sweet ass that it'll either make it back to Netflix or it'll wind up going onto a BBC app that we'll see 
uh, instead. Uh, yeah. As we as we see things like CBS coming out with their own service to stream, and Stars just recently announced their own service to stream. More and more of these things aren't going to wind up at Netflix, and they're not going to wind up at Amazon, and so it's going to be harder and harder to differentiate why one is better than the other. And that's, on the one hand, that's smart because Netflix really could have just owned the whole market. They definitely owned it when it came to the DVD rentals. Uh, they put Blockbuster out of business, mm-hmm. and they kind of put a big chunk of Best Buy out of business too by putting their little stickers on every DVD player that Best Buy sold. Like, hey, get a free 30-day trial to Netflix subscription with this DVD player that you're buying at Best Buy. Don't buy their service plan and don't buy any DVDs there. Ten bucks a month, we'll just send them to you. Oh, well, crap. Why are we Why are we helping you destroy us? Yeah. Um, well, and then Beat brings up a great point, though, is that and that Netflix said in their earnings call today that they've reached the ceiling for the U.S. So it comes out. So this comes down to more global expansion, where I think Amazon is looking at. Like, because I think with all the deals that they're signing, it's not just America or North America. It's wherever you can get Amazon Prime, you will get the Hammond May and Clarkson uh, uh, car show. You will get Doctor Who. You will get Transparent. Yeah, but that's um, Amazon's not big internationally. It's, it's Isn't it Alibaba or whatever that other thing is called that... It's like the the Amazon of other places. Amazon's the, books not even big internationally. You got uh, yeah, Alibaba is for Japan or for China, but and I, they're I gonna love it when we send them all our movies starring white actors as Asian characters. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think when because you look at Netflix and you look at shows like, um, like with uh, House of Cards. It's not available on Netflix worldwide. It's only available on Netflix in America. I think uh, I think in North America, maybe England. But they've but that's because that the production company signed and Netflix they signed deals with other television co- uh, channels around the world. Right. So they can't do that. They can't go. Hey, here's here's your exclusive place to watch House of Cards. Unless you have Channel Four in the in UK and Ireland, which I'm sure they're going to shore that kind of thing up now. Uh, if you want to be in a deal with Netflix, and you want to be the next House of Cards or Orange Is the New Black, or mm-hmm. you know whatever else, I, the the Marvel stuff may be a little different because of the Disney machine that it is. But a lot of these other things that are considered Netflix exclusives and their creative exclusives, I'm pretty sure they're going to do what they have to to get Universal. Uh, exclusivity but Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely it's going to come down to who's creating the content and that's going to be like if you wanted to go see a universal movie you had to go to a universal movie theater uh, or you had to have the universal channel because if you want to watch an HBO thing you've got to watch it on HBO if you want to watch a Cinemax created show you'd have to watch it on Cinemax now they're putting them the apps but that's just to get away from cable. But everybody's mm. going to be in control of their own destiny soon. So it's whoever is making the best content is going to win the the war. And if the content says we see more success on Netflix than we do with these other places, I mean, as as much as I think Transparent looks interesting, and as much as I like to see it, mm-hmm. it's the one show 
that I felt any interest in getting Amazon Prime for so far. Now, I haven't looked at a lot of their other stuff, but that's because Prime itself as a service is such a mess. Mm -hmm. So you haven't done enough to sell me on your service with the content that you've made, whereas Netflix is upping my bill, and I'm glad to pay it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, – Sean, you got anything else you want to add? Um, the only thing I want to ask is does Amazon, when it puts out original content, does it drop it all at once like Netflix or does it release it over time like Hulu? You guys um, know for it's that? It's all at once, I believe. Yeah, okay. so far that's been the primary. Yeah. All right. I mean, but well, I think – that working for them because I don't understand the Hulu model of releasing it slowly like that because, I, I mean – it. I think part I, of it I can was... tell you why. I, yeah, I can ahead. tell you why in theory. Um, is is this is there are very few shows that still do this, and and the the ones that do are the the top of the heap, and that Ooh. are Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. Those shows, when they play on Sunday nights, Monday morning everybody's talking about them, and right. I would assume now this is a different kind of of category for me, but I would assume. The Shonda Rhyme shows, uh, much the same. Now, with, with their demographic of audience, and maybe they've lost a little bit of the shine over time, but I'm pretty sure for a while there, at the very least, everybody was talking about Grey's Anatomy the next day, or they were talking about uh, how, how to get away with murder, mm -hmm. all of those things, because it's, it's the idea of we all watched it together, and now we have to talk about it. And when you do a show that is a whole season... You invariably get people who will, like me, watch it all in one sitting over a weekend, right. or the people who I can't get to it yet because I'm in the middle of this other series, or I could only watch two episodes at a time, and it takes them longer. But by that point in time that they're into it, uh, the buzz for a whole other group has has finished out, and spoilers right. have come out, and they're talking about what's going to happen in the next season, and all of these things kind of happen. So to see spoilers on people, uh, Joffrey get poisoned in an episode of Game of Thrones and everybody jump on that the next day. I mean, first, Twitter's going to fuck it up for you if you watch it that night. But um, the next day, everyone's going on about, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. You don't get that reaction with a service that is releasing all the episodes at once. So that is why I think it makes sense to do that. But it hasn't hurt Netflix. It hasn't hurt Amazon. No. No, and and once they come out in their weeks, if you just want to wait and say, I don't want to watch these and have to wait a week in between, then you just wait until the whole thing's released at the end. Yeah. Yeah, now the only reason I even ever noticed it, to be honest, is because we just did um, the Lamb 2263. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, and we, we just did that. And on our show, we watch the first three episodes because that's kind of our benchmark. If after three episodes we like it enough to say keep going or we say, yeah, we're done with that, um, we feel like we've got a, a decent enough hold on it. And when we did 11.22.63, I was intrigued enough to keep going, and I went through and I watched the whole rest of it that weekend, feast yet. And now by the time they've come out, I've lost interest in going back and watching them. So I couldn't understand that whole concept. And I and I, I get what you're saying now. I guess mainly because most of the people I talk about these things with are over the internet. Mm -hmm. So it's not all gathered around the water cooler and the virtual water cooler runs differently. 
you know, because of all your spoilers and things like that. So, you know, I guess maybe that's my disconnect between it. What you said makes sense. I just don't know if it's going to be the new reality or not. But right. I definitely understand um, what you're saying is is probably what they're thinking. So. Yeah, I've wanted to kick Gregor's nuts for the last several weeks because it took him forever, and I don't even know if he's made it there yet to get to the end of season two of Daredevil. I haven't. And, <laughs> I and, haven't. Uh, and, it, and is it because you thought that the, the season that you've watched so far sucked? No. No, it's, it's be- just because you're taking your sweet-ass time, you little bitch. No, it's because I've been working in times where I'd, where I'd rather be watching Netflix. Yes. <laughs> so that that's what I'm saying, is that... Um, for me, it would be much more convenient if if it was an hour a week and I had the torture of, oh, I have to wait for the new Daredevil, but at least Gregor and I could be watching it at the same time without mm-hmm. me feeling like uh, I threw myself all in on this so we could talk about it on the show, and here it is months later. <laughs> I swear I'm going to watch more. I have today and then I have Wednesday off. That's all I'm going to be... <laughs> you set the expectation, sir. I know, but and also I said, hey, I also set that expectation where I didn't have a job. Right now that yeah, I have yeah. a job, and we lost three out of our seven people. Goddamn man, keeping us down. Yeah, exactly. Joe Whitey. Ex- well, except she's a woman. Well, except the man's a woman. Well, mangina. <laughs> but no, so that's it for the news. Um, we're gonna switch gears, but before we do that. Sean, we mentioned this before, but the Wolf King Studios, you guys just did a 24-hour uh, podcast marathon all in support of of autism awareness. Um, I made sure I phrased it that way because it's like, yay, autism. It's like, no, boo, autism. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so tell, tell more, uh, tell everyone who's all four viewers who are watching um, in the future, what this, what what you're doing, what you were doing this past week, and how they can still help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this came about because I have a daughter who is on the spectrum. Uh, I've made several friends who have children on the spectrum, um, and as I began to start doing podcasting, I came across other folks um, who have children on the spectrum. Um, one of whom was uh, from. Galactic Netcast, Brad Ludwig, and he was kind enough to join me on the first hour with a representative from the Autistic uh, Self-Advocacy Network, and we were able to talk about what it is the folks over at ASAN do. We were able to talk about what autism is, and then Brad and I were able to share uh, some of our stories of both you know, triumphs and obstacles and, and hardships with our, with our children growing up autistic or on the spectrum. Um, and it was really interesting and very gratifying because even as the day went on, we had five or six other podcasters come in and talk about their experiences with autism, their family's experiences with autism. So it really it, it had an unintended benefit of providing a sense of, you know, hey, you're not alone in this, which I think every parent family member of someone especially when they first get that diagnosis is in dire need of um but the group that we working for and with uh, the autistic self-advocacy network what makes them different is there's a lot of uh organizations out there that you can give money to who will then help people in need by giving them the things that they need and that's a wonderful thing 
Uh, but the Autistic Self Advocacy Network, what they do differently is along the lines of, of the if you get a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Um, they don't just send people in to advocate for the uh, the autistic people. They teach them how to advocate for themselves, how to get what they need in schooling, in their workplace, in housing, and in all the things that you and I take for granted. They teach them how to get them for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a really wonderful organization, and they help a lot of people out. Uh, and if you are able to and you want to donate to them, we ask that you go to uh, bit.ly slash wolfkingautism. And when you do that, it's going to take you directly to their website, their donation page. So even though we did the 24-hour marathon, everything goes directly to them. Yeah, exactly. And um, when I ask that you put, yep. Yeah, uh, put. You were breaking up a little bit, so I sort of jumped over. There. Oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so put uh, put Wolf King in the the in, in a section, right? Yeah, in the in honor of name, we ask that you put Wolf King, and in the in honor of um, email, if you can put Wolf King Podcasts at gmail .com, that helps them to determine who you know, where the donations came from, uh, you know, so that'll help us to be able to set our goals for next year. That was a big thing. And I just want to take like two more seconds to say huge thank you to everyone, both on my team at Wolf King that, that did everything that they did to make this 24 hours possible. Todd Whitehead at Alpha Geek Radio was a godsend in the middle when we were having some uh, technical difficulties and all of the varied people who joined in um, to help provide the entertainment person. We're going to next couple days releasing these episodes one at a time on a new feed that we're going to have that we announced. Um, so if you just follow Asking Podcasts on Twitter, you'll see when those episodes start coming out hour by hour, you'll be able to download them and listen to all the fun that we had for uh, 24 hours and listen to me s slowly and steadily lose my grasp of the English language as the night progressed. <laughs> I had so much trouble getting through the reads about hour 20. It was ridiculous. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so also I will, I will I'll add this. If you are watching, but you are, you know, a, a broke ass college kid or, you know, you, money is tight. The other way you can help out is by sharing. You saw, if you're watching the video, you saw Beatmaster throw up there and they have three ginormous buttons, Facebook, Twitter, Google plus share them on there. Yeah share personal stories if you have people who are if you know people who are who are autistic who are on the, the autism spectrum or if this is just something that hits you know that you're like okay i'm gonna be kind here share it out there because it will reach someone else who can donate money sort of mm -hmm. deal yep absolutely yeah that, that is once again bit.ly slash wolf king autism all right. Yes. Um, so, Sean, um, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to remember to cut this out. Uh, if you want, you can drop down to where you're just audio. That might help with your bandwidth. So, I don't know if you want to try that. Um, and then we're going to go into our, um, our reviews. So, sweet. Corey, you want to start us off with uh, confirmation? No, no, you go first. No? Okay. 
Okay, I'll do I'll do Moon Knight first. Um, so Moon Knight is the um, it's the book from that's written by Jeff Lemire, and it's on Marvel. And this is the in much ways a the spiritual successor to the the launch that happened during the Marvel Now event or time that they were doing with um where they had um who was warren ellis did the first six issues and i'm blanking and i should have done research but i can't think of who took over after him um with moon knight but this is an interesting thing because this all takes place in a psychiatric hospital and it is awesome you go through through you don't know what is going on if what moon knight is crazy or sorry if mark spencer is or specter is crazy or you know if he really was moon knight even and all this stuff and it's just so brilliantly done i love it um but yeah so uh, yeah it was uh, drawn by greg smallwood um, and it's cool. The mask that you see right there in the cover, I don't know how they make it, but it still, it looks really interesting. Like it's an extra shirt that he wrapped around his head and so brilliantly done. I, I cannot wait for issue two. Um, and it's just really good. It's all, all I, all I can really say. Yeah. Um, Moon Knight is one of those things that they, constantly are trying to relaunch the title it, it's in a way it's marvel's batman but it has a lot of different things about it but he's always been this character that the people like him really really like him but the book only does so well and usually just for a little while and then it kind of goes away and then someone else jumps onto it so i was excited when ellis was doing it because ellis can handle crazy characters and can do storylines that that reinvent things or take it off in a new direction and he's also one of those guys who doesn't stay on a mainstream book for very long he seems to be doing pretty well with his james bond book though so if you're gonna go to somebody else lemire can do weird as well and has been struggling i think with some of his work over at marvel like trying to get something that catches on I don't think his X-Men stuff has really taken off. His uh, attempted Hawkeye, I think, after being such a stellar run of Hawkeye, it wasn't it wasn't what people wanted to see as the follow-up. Uh, and and he had just left Green Arrow to come do Hawkeye, so I, I think people just didn't embrace it for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, that was sort of... I think that was a wrong, a wrong step in books to do right away. Um, because... I I thoroughly enjoy his run on Hawkeye. It is really good storytelling. But yeah, it is it's it's one of those things like it's hard to come to follow after Matt Fraction and David Aha's run on Hawkeye. Yeah. Sort of thing. So it's it's I'm I'm interested in it. I I but I'm interested in it more because of what he could do with it. I'm still not sure that I love the character or have a, a deep love for the character. So I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, well, you're seeing. Yeah. Um, and also to fill in, um, 
the other writer that I couldn't think of was Cullen Bunn, who took over um, after Warren Ellis. But I still, I want to say that Warren Ellis only did the first six. And then um, there was someone who did seven through 12. And then with Cullen Bunn taking over at 13, uh, 13 on to the the later ones. I know Bendis had done a run on it, but that might've been pre Ellis. I think so. A lot of people have taken a stab at him. Um, yeah, and Bun is someone who uh, I think does some really great creative work. Uh, although I I prefer his his Sixth Gun book more, but I really liked his take on the Fearless Defenders. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was him. That was a really great title that had Misty Knight and Valkyrie. Uh, some of these characters are becoming more predominant now. Yeah, uh, assumingly in, in mm-hmm. the uh, in the Marvel universe, both the TV shows and possibly in the next Thor movie. So, are you talking cool. the um with? Oh, I'm trying to actually find it. Are you talking about the Marvel Now book? No, this is. Or this is pre. Yeah, I don't remember what banner it was under for Marvel. Um, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was this one because it was Colin Bunn did that one. Yeah, that one was a good one too. But and I hate to say it, but the one who you don't really see now is as a character is Valkyrie. Like you see her in background things, but you don't see her as a upfront or even you know mentioning in you know in in other things sort of deal. Well, I mean that's probably. Because uh, if they're if she is being used in the Thor movie, which is what's being hinted at, uh, one, it's going to be probably one of those things that people argue against because it's an actress of a different race, and uh, people are so smart on the internet. But two, uh, they'll want to see what the movie does to bring her across and try to tie some of that into the comics. I think. Yeah. So, we'll we'll have to see how it goes. But definitely, if you haven't read uh, the Fearless Defenders, and Sean, I know you said you had the the Marvel app. Uh, check that series out because that was a mm-hmm. lot of fun. In particular, there was an there was an issue that was the guys who were sort of dating yes. the the women, and they were all sitting around like, "Where's our girlfriends?" And you know, oh, they're out kicking ass, and we're just sitting here talking in a bar. Uh, it was it was really funny because it was such the polar opposite of of you know the girlfriend staying home while Superman goes saves the the Daily Planet and Lois Lane. Well, Lois Lane was actually always badass, but I guess if we go to Lana Lang, maybe yeah. a little less uh, fighty. But no, yeah, and then and same thing, and also I mean you don't need to know really anything with Moon Knight um, before because it is it, it's self explanatory, but it's not specific enough to where you get the the editor's asterisk of as seen in Moon Knight Volume 4 issues 1 through 13. Oh yeah, they've completely done away with a lot of that stuff now. Yeah. Um but no, so yeah, honestly check it out. It's Moon Knight, Moon Knight number 1. It came out last week from Marvel. You can pick it up at your comic book stores or on Comicsology. Although can uh, I just say yeah. that now is the time that it would make sense to have that self-referential editor's note like look this up in this issue because now you actually can 
Whereas mm-hmm. before I was a kid and it's like, oh, this happened in Amazing Spider-Man 27. Well, good luck getting that. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't have reprints most of the time. They didn't have collections. Uh, trade paperbacks weren't a big thing. But it was constantly like, go look in this issue over here that hasn't existed for 15 years. has already been pulped. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's weird you mentioned this, and this is going to be another side little recommendation, but they're doing right now the uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Howard the Duck crossover event. That it's just, you know, one issue each, and it's great. It got me to read the, because um, Squirrel Girl does the the captions underneath all the panels, and which is always brilliant, funny, but they did them with both writers, with both Chip Zdarsky and uh, Ryan North, I think is the writer for uh, Squirrel Girl. And they're doing conversations in here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so brilliant. It captures the humor. And I'm pretty sure they're going to do the same thing with the Howard the Duck book. Where it, the only problem I had is the cover was, it. the cover is the opposite character. So like the cover for Howard the Duck was Squirrel Girl. So I kept on going, wait, why is Howard the Duck way down here? Oh, wait, that's Squirrel Girl. That's why. Well, he's short. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. I see what you did there. Ha ha ha. <laughs> but no, I mean, so yeah, I, I can give that, you tons That's of also the moment that I'm waiting for in things like the Marvel reading apps is when they have that moment of, oh, go check in this issue. You can just click on it. Yeah. And it takes you right to that issue. Um, that that is some thinking ahead that they need to need to be working on is that instant fix of like, well, okay, I don't want to have to think about this later. Remember it. I want to go look at it right now. So, would you rather have? We'll play a little hypothetical here. Would you rather have that link almost like an annotation on a YouTube video, or would you rather it be you finish the story and they give you here's what was recommended from the book or here's what was cited do you want to go read that uh i will go one better sir and i will say i press on it and it gives me option to read now or add to my reading list yeah there we go sounds like a plan sir marvel get on that that one was free <laughs> wait we can charge for this shit <laughs> god damn it no one tells me anything no wonder i'm poor exactly um, just needs to get on an app like marvel has well, no, DC just needs to get start writing great books again. Yeah. Sorry, Corey, I'll, I'll take that one for you. <laughs> I still boy. would take crappy Batman no matter what. So. Well, okay, yeah, but again, Batman does not a comic book company make. Sort of does. Well, yes, <laughs> but... I'd but, pay for the app just for Batman. <laughs> yeah, but like, like here, I, I read a lot of DC comics. And hi, Evan. Bye, Evan. Um, but along this, at the same time, I would much rather. And, and I know I love, I love Batman. Don't get me wrong. Scott Snyder did great. I stopped and make sure I did said the right right Snyder did a great job in in doing in talking about um or in doing the the Bat book for all of the New Fifty Two lineup and they had other great books in there as well. Starfire was a great book. The Harley Quinn and Power Girl uh, mini series done by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti was great, was hilarious. Um, 
Gotham Academy, really good. You know, there's all these other books that might be set in Gotham that are not a Bat book in particular because mm-hmm. it's not a, a Batman or Robin or, you know, any of the other previous Robin's characters that have been great. Um, Super I don't know Bro- what you're talking about. Everybody was a previous Robin. Well, uh, Aquaman used to be a Robin with gills. Uh, Wonder Woman, totally a Robin. Uh, her bracelets shot batarangs. And um, obviously Batman used to be a Robin. That's actually true. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Very people, few people know that. Asterisk C editor's note. <laughs> Click here <laughs> to subscribe. But yeah, so I mean... But, again, Zan from like, the Wonder Twins was never a Robin. Yeah, no. Sorry, Bucket of Ice, you ain't gonna make it. <laughs> Form of an ice robin. He kept getting stolen by Cobblepot. Keep his penguins cool. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so that's was Moon Knight, and then quickly devolved into something else. So, Corey on this show. Yeah, <laughs> no, never. Speaking Corey. of de-evolution, okay, yeah, I'll go for it. Uh, I watched the HBO original movie. Confirmation, uh, as I like to call it, the movie that sent my wife out of the room. <laughs> um, which I, I tend to choose those, it, not because it was, you know, a, a sore subject or anything. It was just she's like, "Well, this is going to be dirt doll," <laughs> and walked on out. Um, nobody getting stabbed in the face. So I enjoyed it, and. Uh, I remember when this was happening. First of all, I remember when the Supreme Court uh, was, the choice was Robert Bork, and uh, everybody was like, Bork is a dork, of course, of course, and he didn't get confirmed, and so a little while later, George Bush put up Clarence Thomas, and famously it was like, okay, well, you know, an African-American judge to replace the now-leaving African-American justice, but sure, that makes a certain degree of sense, although we could say that Thomas does not um, does not seem to be in the best interests of most of the African-American community. Um, but that's, that's another conversation. But I remember him getting... The, the nomination and all this stuff happening and then everything went crazy when a woman got pulled out to go and do a hearing saying that he sexually harassed her. And I think this is before we had the Michael Douglas, Demi Moore sexual harassment movie. I can't even recall the name of it now. Um, disclosure? What was that? Was that uh, Disclosure? Disclosure, yes. Um... I think this was the lead-in for a lot of those things because sexual harassment was on the books but wasn't something that people commonly, you know, would go and try to sue somebody about or expose Uh, because, as you see in this movie, it's devastating for the accuser. Uh, As a a woman and uh, a as even more so as a as an African American woman, 
Uh, I did appreciate that they called them Afro-Americans in this because that was another thing that we did for a time that was, wow, how do we think we are getting away with that? Um, as an African-American woman, people were prone not to believe her. Uh, they want to believe the man in power, and it it worked out that the man in power was also African-American, but he was still a man, and he was a judge, you know, and... A lot of people came to his defense, and, and a lot of people came to her defense. But in the end, it was, we're going to destroy her to save our nominee. And uh, like a few years later, when Monica Lewinsky got pulled into the whole Clinton mess and everything, uh, that's one way of putting it, it was destroy this person utterly for a thing that, in that case especially, wasn't really her to be blamed. Um, but the president got to continue being the president and maybe the, the first man soon. Uh, and she probably still gets recognized going down the street and has people just hurling insults at her. Yeah. And that's that's horrific. And that's what this this movie is somewhat about. It never specifically states that it happened or that it didn't happen. Uh, in, in both cases of Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill in this, they try to show that in their minds they were on the right side of things. Um, so it never says that he actually did it because it was never proven that he did. Um, and it never says that she made it up because it was never proven that she did. In fact, the court case, it wasn't even a court case necessarily, but the hearings and stuff just ended when she realized that the whole thing was not doing any good and had just become too much of a burden for her to be able to continue doing. Um, not because she didn't think it was important, but because it wasn't getting them anywhere anyways. They uh, would discredit anybody who was going to come up to speak before they even had a chance to talk. They would sit there and discredit them ahead of time, which was completely immoral and, and against the whole process, but they would just do it anyways and they would get away with it because they were the, they were the Senate. They had that ability. Uh, very good depictions in this. Uh, incredible cast in this, including um, Greg Kinnear as Joe Biden, which was just nuts. As I'm sitting there and watching this, I'm like, oh, Greg Kinnear's in this. Wait, he's Biden? Oh my God, he's actually Biden. He's, he's, he's in this. Um, I think it was, might have been, I want to say Treat Williams was uh, Ted Kennedy. Just really well done. HBO does some fantastic documentary stuff uh, as it is, or docudramas in this case. And some of them lately have been hit or miss for me. I really wanted to enjoy the Phil Spector one more. But this one I think was spot on. And it's a very interesting thing to see uh, with the, the passage of time between when it happened. I mean, I hadn't even voted in my first presidential election when uh, Bush Sr. was elected. So my first time I got to vote was the next election when it was Bush against Clinton and uh, Ross Perot side sandwich. So I wasn't even hugely aware of the politics. I was just aware of this woman showing up on the screen and people saying that she well, she must be a lesbian, or she must be a whore, 
or all these other things and um, things about long dong silver and um, pubic hair on Coke cans and just the strangest stuff to be hearing in the news and on reports on TV of, of government officials and stuff. I was just blown away by that. As a as a teenager, and I, I I look at where we are with how we have our politicians today and how we have our presidential nominees acting, and uh, I think that would have destroyed us in the '80s and the early '90s if if they acted that way. Um, now we seem to have succumbed to it because we've seen things like this happen, and we've seen things like the Clinton trials happen. And we we've had the media chase OJ down the the freeway, and it's just gone on and on from there. So it's at the very least what they they do show at the end, and and what I find the most um, empowering about this is that it ends with her going back to her work and finding all of these letters from people uh, who have been harassed as well by their bosses and felt like they were powerless to do anything about it. And this has given them the courage to say something or to do something or to quit. And that's, I think, um, if nothing else, that's a pretty incredible thing to, to have happen. And we should all realize that when something like that is going on, it's not okay. And it's not cool to, to victim blame. But I also don't want to just destroy people's lives willy-nilly on the other side in case that person does happen to be a liar. So, you know, that's why there's trials. Yeah, that's why the whole innocent until proven guilty thing is a thing. And, or it should be. Yeah. Um, and maybe why it shouldn't be televised. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because everybody gets to form their opinions ahead of time. But no, yeah, because when did this all happen? This was the very early 90s uh, because, yeah, actually maybe even the late 80s. It might have been right on the cusp of 1989 or so because Reagan was supposed to get Fork in there and after Reagan was out of office and Bush was in, that's when he uh, tried to get Clarence Thomas in. So I don't know how long we went without a justice at that point in time, uh, but they must have been pretty close to each other. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like uh, the the hearings for Clarence Thomas were 1991. Um, yeah. The movie that you referenced earlier, Disclosure, was 94. So I think you're probably dead on about the fact that a lot of that stuff came out of the uh, the Thomas hearings. Yeah, I was two. Oh, <laughs> um, well, now you're old enough to suck a dick. <laughs> Not the first time you or Matt has said that to me. <laughs> But no, or Matt Vincent for that for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so yeah, I mean, HBO ha does do great stuff, and this does look interesting, even if it is a time period where I was being potty trained or whatever. Two year olds are being are, are happening to them. Have you seen Back to the Future? Yes. Okay, so you've seen a movie that took place even before that and then went back in time to even further before that. So you can shut oh. the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, 
So are you going to lead the show now, Corey? No, no. Uh, I just <laughs> wanted to give Sean a chance to talk about his pick for the week. Oh, well, uh, I guess as, as far as it goes, I, I've got a whole list of things that I've been doing and, and, and watching. and um, But I think by far... I am so happy that Animaniacs is on uh, Netflix. God, I love that show so much. And uh, it started when I was in college in 94. I was a freshman in college. And it was started at the same time as X-Files did. And I remember, you know, how many people... You could hear the laughter in the dorm rooms at the college when Animaniacs was on because everybody would be watching this cartoon. And it just worked on so many levels and had so many different iconic characters, iconic catchphrases and things like that that we still use today. Um, you know, Pinky in the Brain. I can't hear, what's um, it, LaMarche? Is that his name? Do, uh, do any voice whatsoever without it being, uh, you know, the brain. He yeah. shows up on a couple episodes of The Simpsons, and every time I'm, you know, going, "Oh wait, it's the brain." It's like, "Oh wait, no, he's doing uh, Worsted Wells." Who, obviously, that's you know who the brain's voice was patterned on. But it, it just, it was such a great show. Uh, you know, the good feathers and good idea, bad idea, and uh, every year at Easter time, me and my kids joke about the, uh, you know, good idea finding an Easter egg on Easter morning and bad idea finding an Easter egg on Christmas morning, and you know, just so many. Just great setups and everything, and it's it's a shame that 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 show didn't continue longer. But uh, you know, the, the characters were great, there. and the music in that was so wonderful. Um, you know, the state songs and the um, the, the I, universe. Song. I was watching Jimmy Kimmel this week, and uh, he it was Marvel week, so they had all these different things. But at one point, they went out and they asked people on the street if they could name how many Avengers they could name, and then how many U.S. presidents they could name. And everybody was just like, as bad as they were with the Avengers, because some people were saying Justice League people, uh, <laughs> then they would have no clue. They'd get George Washington and just stop on the presidents. They couldn't remember recent ones or the current. But <laughs> one person started naming off the presidents, and I'm like, she got there from watching Animaniacs. Yeah. Because exactly. <laughs> the way she did it, it had that that tempo to it. I'm like, that that's the Animaniacs song. You're singing the Animaniacs song. And, and one of the one of the best gags they had was at the end of the show, the Wheel of Morality, yep. to uh, you know determine what the moral of the story was. And it was, you know, it, it was intelligent humor. And, and like I I've been watching these, and I've been watching them with my five year old son, and it's it is definitely one of those great. Warner Brothers shows that works on so many levels that I get jokes now that I didn't get when I was in college watching it and he's yep. laughing at it at a different level and my you know my older kids are enjoying it and you know and and Animaniacs I had some old videotapes from back when the show was on and everything and my kids would watch them occasionally and they love them and it's just it's so good to see them on on Netflix and have people be able to uh, discover this so yeah, and I mean that's that's classic Looney Tunes as well. Uh, when I was growing up, watching Bugs Bunny, there were all these jokes that I thought were the most hilarious things in the world, and then there were the jokes that I didn't understand were funny until years later, mm-hmm. and I'd watch them again. I'm like, oh, that's a whole other level, and that's that's the magic of what Warner Brothers cartoons had done, 
And uh, Spielberg had done Tiny Toons before Animaniacs, yes. and it was it was definitely a throwback to those older cartoons. But Animaniacs, he started bringing all the different stuff he wanted into it. So he started doing stuff with musicals with the Reader and Runt, mm-hmm. uh, the character creations of like uh, Slappy and her nephew and the Good Feathers. Some of the things got a little bit repetitive after a while. You'd be like, oh, it's it's this episode. Well, we know what's going to happen here. And here's where the Pesci good feather is going to go off again. Yep. But overall, it was still it was such an amazing time. And those, yeah, the little things in between, like mime time, yeah. uh, were just great, just so good. Yep. Yeah, and I just absolutely loving just devouring these episodes. So. And my favorite thing probably is that kids today are going to look at it in the same way that I did the original Warner Brothers stuff, where they had their their guests from like Hollywood of the of the time so I'm seeing all these people from the 50s and like I don't even know who this is who are these these people that are coming through here and now kids today are going to go what is who's Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever yeah. they called him and who's that person supposed to be <laughs> like, wait, yeah, no. wait Bill Clinton played the saxophone where you know <laughs> what exactly I never see him blowing anything uh, <laughs> No, yeah, like, this is one of the shows that, you know, like, looking at it now, I didn't know Steven Spielberg was attached to it. It never occurred to me that, you know, like, it goes Steven Spielberg presents, Mm -hmm. and looking at it now, and I'm looking at his IMDb page, and he he does do some TV shows, um, but really, it's not, which I didn't realize there was... Pinky Elmira in the brain. I didn't realize that was a thing. Pinky the brain spun off into their own show, and yeah. then uh, in the midst of the second season, they they did Pinky Elmira in the brain because they someone made them retool it, and that's when the numbers started to sink because it went from being a more mature themed show, not like dirty or anything, but right. obviously smarter watchers, and they were like, well, we have to cute it up a little bit to get kids to watch it because it started out in primetime. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you go to there, which was, you know, I think 98 when Animaniacs ended, to, um, what, he didn't do anything really TV show-wise until, what, 95, or 2005. And, I mean, it's like, you know, that's a big thing, big gap right there mm. to take. And, I mean, and... Even now, it's like he he does he broadens and he goes to you know he'll do a movie he'll do a TV show, and there are TV shows where I'm like wait he did he was involved in that like Red Band Society he was involved in the first two episodes of, and, but no this was this was my childhood like this was because I was definitely raised mo- well I was alive then but yeah, Corey shut up <laughs> you you can go eat a dick yourself, um, but but no like it was. For, like, the first two hours, it was uh, cartoons on Fox because it was typically, um, like, Spider-Man, X-Men, um, and then I think uh, the Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man, or Spider-Man Unlimited, and then it would switch over to WB because that would be when Transformers and, you know, uh, Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, all that would be on then. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that this is, like, the last grandstand of cartoons 
on network television on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, what all the stuff that you just mentioned, those the Tick, um, the the Batman and then Superman animated series things, those were still on the regular. You know your ABCs, your CBSs, your Foxes. NBC had gone completely over to the. Um, Saved by the Bells, Hoop Dreams kind of stuff at that point, mm-hmm. trying to get the, the team viewers in. So this was like, yeah, we were getting seeping in of Power Rangers, but there was someone still making cartoons and still caring about Saturday morning cartoons. And then it kind of just traversed over to the Cartoon Network, which unfortunately I didn't have for a good number of years um, and made it really disappointing for me because all my cartoons disappeared. Yeah, and now it's like even now they don't, because after that it was a, um they would do Nickelodeon shows on in Saturday mornings. Yeah, like SpongeBob was very briefly on. They CBS. replaced it from other channels as opposed to original yeah. content for the Saturday morning crowd. Yeah, and now it's it, it's like an like a two hour block. And this if, is the assumption that everybody has cable so everybody mm-hmm. can see this stuff someplace else and that's going to be what we're going to see with these these streaming networks is well it's the assumption that everybody's going to have Netflix or everybody's going to have Hulu and so it doesn't matter that we don't play these things out in the open it's like we'll just go to your streaming thing and so we're hiding content as opposed to getting content out there for people to see and uh, find and enjoy that's, yeah. that's what worries me about where things are going yeah so, Sean, you and me have both watched Archer. Yes. Um, I don't, Corey. I don't know if you're watching Archer now or not. Um, mainly because you only had in there the confirmation. Um. So how are you? How are you liking these seasons so far? I've seen the first three episodes. I think. Um. I am watching on Netflix, and I'm up to season. Five, I want to say, four or five. I can't remember. I'm at the point where they got all the drugs. So. <laughs> oh yes, where they uh, left. They yeah. where they left ISIS. Yeah. And you know, it, I I have always seen commercials for this show and never got around to watching it. And then one day I was just like flipping through Netflix looking for something to watch, and I put that on. And I don't think I've laughed at anything so hard in a long time mm-hmm. as I do with Archer. I, there's just. The delivery, the 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 fast, um, the fast dialogue, the the recurring jokes, phrasing, and all that stuff. It's just, it, the show is just a gem. I love when, you know, somebody will be speaking and then they'll fast cut to another scene and it's like the person's almost finishing their sentence, but it's something completely different. And mm-hmm. it's just really smartly done the way they do the jokes and everything. And um, you know, so it's uh, it, it's definitely I. I'm I'm in love with this show right now, and I can't wait to catch up to what they're doing now. Oh yeah, it's still and it's great. The one problem I had was because I did that through Hulu, I th- or through Hulu or Netflix, or no, mm-hmm. it was through Netflix. But they didn't have Vice, which is the season you're on now, right? And so I'm like, wait, how am I going to do this? And I was like, Beat, how am I going to finish? Because B- Beatmaster was like, oh my gosh, you're going to love the show. You know, telling me how, like, telling me to hurry up, get through it, and all this stuff. And then I'm like, wait, but how am I going to get Archer Vice? And then it came out shortly thereafter. I'm like, thank you, someone's listening, <laughs> and all that. But now it's it's 
you know, because, you know, for those of you who don't know Archer, they used to work at a spy agency called ISIS in no way related to the people over in the Middle East who are just a bunch of douches. Um, and then that happened. So they, the I think it was, then Archer Vice happened to correct that. And then for them mm-hmm. going back, they joined the CIA and now they're, I'm, I'm not going to give too much away, but now they're, they're, they rebranded it a little bit more to mm. where they don't, they're no longer with the CIA, but it's still hilarious. Yeah. Um, they're still doing all the funny things. The only, I don't want to say problem, but the only change that I noticed, and I'm like, well, now why'd you do that? Is they do the uh, interstitial um, cards for the commercials, which okay. to me seems a little bit pointless. But it's like, you know, it's like, eh, whatever. It it works, but it's not needed sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think as long as they don't get rid of Pam, I think I'll be fine. Oh, no. <laughs> and then great. there was, I can't think of what episode it was. I think it was episode two, I think, of season seven, that there, there was great animation. I mean, just something so simple as um, there, uh, who does Judy Greer voice? Um... Uh, the one with two names, isn't it Cheryl? Carol, uh, Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the second name, but yeah. Um, but her. Um, her character. Cheryl her, Tunt. Cheryl, yeah, Cheryl Tunt. Um, Pam and um, Blondie with the mustache. I can't think of his name either. Um, uh, Ray, is it Ray Gillette? Yeah, 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 Ray. They're just sitting in the chair, in their chairs, spinning around. And it's a it's a departure from their art style because it is that um, C Lab twenty twenty one art style. Yeah, and you see, and that's that... something I was gonna say. Go back if you have the opportunity. Go back and watch C Lab twenty one or twenty twenty one. Follow that series. Go through watch uh, Frisky Dingo that these yeah. people worked on together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are callbacks to those shows in Archer as you go along. Uh, There's. So... Yeah, there's even a callback to Bob's Burgers because of H. John Benjamin, which was hilarious. <laughs> yes. I, that, I have seen that. Yeah, that one is just great. <laughs> um, But no, yeah, I mean, Archer, it's out on Netflix. I think it's still out on Hulu as well. It's probably also out on Amazon Prime. So there's, And it's also on the FX um, streaming app. And it's, they, it's airing new episodes on FX currently. Yep. So yeah, um, the last one is one a show I want to hit at really quick because this airs on TBS. Um, this was created by Samantha B. Um, and it stars her husband, um, who also created uh, Jason Jones. And this is called The Detour. This show is fucking hilarious. Um, it's I guess it's loosely and loosely is the biggest word here based on. Jason Jones and Samantha B's uh, road trips that they've taken themselves. Um, but the the plot is you follow Jason Jones, Jason Jones's character and his wife as they go through um they they go on a family trip. Um there are twists and turns along the way um and it's just whole, it's literally they're going along 
they, they instead of take, going to the airport to fly down to Florida, they decide Jason Jones's character decides to like like let's just do a road trip, and then hilarity ensues. You have the son who is dumb to put it mildly, could be on the spectrum to put it in another way, um, but he's done it in a very entertaining way. It's just he's really really dumb. Is is how how things go. Um, gets him in the pilot episode to go to a strip club because it was it has the name of like the ice cream shop sort of deal. Like it's that that humor right there, and I'm like, oh my goodness, so funny. Um, now I don't know if either of you guys have watched it, watched the show or not. I've seen the commercials endlessly. I haven't. I didn't even realize that it started yet. So I didn't either. I just it was it one of those like I was on Xfinity. Um, like seeing, cause that's how I usually watch the CBS shows when I can't watch them live is I'll be like, okay, Xfinity, see what else I missed, even though I am behind on Big Bang Theory and, uh, Odd Couple. And I'm like, Ooh, the detour watch. And then I just happened to catch the second episode hmm. and I'm like, this is entertaining. This is so funny. And it does a similar thing to like what you mean the apocalypse did where, you know a little bit about the end and so you're filling in the gaps here as you're going along um because the pilot ends with him in in uh holding uh being questioned about what's going on and i'm sitting going all right i'm intrigued let's continue on and the casting is great across the board um it, there are some tropes with some of the characters like like the son and daughter um the with the daughter being you know super smart but yet bored because you know road trip and then the son who's just like really energetic but yet dumb sort of deal it like there's that but it it works it works for what it is um and it's available on tbs i believe on tbs.com and at your local cable provider as well. So check it out. How is uh, Natalie Zia in that? Cause I, I, She's I know good. Her. Is she? Cause I know her from justified and from the following, but I've never seen her do anything comedic. So she's it's, um, did you ever watch, um, the Jim Norton show or not the Jim Norton show, uh, Jim Gaffigan show? Yes. Um, it, she's very, very similar to, um, the, the character in there, the mom in there. Okay. Like it's a very, it's a very similar dynamic with that gotcha. where she's dealing with the stuff. There's a scene in the pilot where they're at the strip club and the daughter is going to the bathroom and she becomes a woman. <laughs> and so she's trying to get her mom very cleverly grabs a mop to pull open and shouts at a stripper and, she goes, hey, um, can you help? Can you come here? Can you get my mommy? He's like, well, what's her, what's her name? Um, and then she goes, or can you go get my mom? Well, what's her name? Uh, she says her name, like Vanessa or whatever. What's her stage name? Mommy? Is <laughs> her <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you cut to them outside and coming in, finding her just chatting it up with all the strippers and they <laughs> they give her a care package for the road <laughs> and it's just it's really good yeah. it's just one of these things that you it, it'll keep you guessing 
with some of the parts with this overarching theme or story that they're going to be telling, but as they're going along, it's just really fun. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, too much more would be revealing too many plot points that I th- are great to see in the moment, but not great to explain afterwards to someone who hasn't seen it. But yeah, so that is it. Um, Corey, how are you on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Uh, I'm behind quite a few episodes. Oh. I, I, I'm stacking them up and just excited to get through them. But yeah, we we put a pause on them because everything was hitting the TV and I didn't want to diminish the show by having it split up with all this other crap that I watch. I think that you could explain that to me or say that to me with um, iZombie and Yumi and the Apocalypse because I finished Yumi and the Apocalypse today. God, it's so great. I love that ending to Yumi and the Apocalypse and all and all that. But yeah, so uh, Sean, anything else you want to mention? Um, yeah, just real quickly, I'm going to uh, play proud dad for just a second if I could. Um, my son, Kevin, who also is my co-host for Exploring the X-Files on Galactic Netcast, for his senior project, he's been in the drama club since he was in seventh grade, and for his senior project, he worked with the, the woman who runs the drama club at his high school and he actually wrote the the spring play and it was a play all about superheroes and uh, kids wanting to become superheroes and things like that and the, the drama club put on the production last weekend and I went to both shows Friday night and Saturday night because Saturday night was his final performance since he's a senior um, and the, the kids there did a fantastic job um, and you know I was as a father I I, I went up and I yelled at the woman who runs it afterwards for making me cry when he, she was telling, you know, talking about Kevin's career as in, in the drama club and everything like that. So it was a very proud dad moment. And since he's also my co-host, I'm going to brag on him for a little bit and uh, say, you know, he did a, he did a really good job. And last year, man, he worked so hard on this. Spent a lot of nights during the summer up in his room on the laptop writing the script and everything. And uh, uh, it was really a lot of fun to watch it come to fruition and see it happen for him. Yeah, and, and Kevin's an ace guy anyways, so, I mean, I'm always impressed with where he is and how good he is and the things that I've seen him do so far uh, for how old he is and everything. He's, he's, you, you, you done good. Thank you. You done good, Sean. <laughs> I assume it's all from the wife. <laughs> Just don't let him hear you say that too much. <laughs> no, yeah, that's actually really great. Um. I sort of hope someone made a brought, might have brought a video camera in there and recorded that because I want to see that play now. Yeah, we uh, we have DVDs on order. The drama club did that. We'll uh, I'll make sure that that's available somehow. Either I don't know what the copyrights on it since he wrote it. I imagine we could probably put it up on YouTube or something. But um, if not, I'll make sure it at least makes the rounds of getting shipped from host to host or whatever, so you guys can see that if you want. So nice, nice. I I love that. Well. Um, I think that's going to do it here for us. Um, literally. Yeah, literally, because this is the end of an era um, for us because we are taking the Else Nerd show and we are moving it over to um, to Galactic Netcast, as you can see right here on the screen if you're watching the video version. To somewhere um, else. Yeah, we're taking it to somewhere else. and But if you use our URLs, they, shall, they will all still forward over and that's not just because we don't know what the final landing spots will be. 
it's more because Corey is willing to still do that. So you could follow us on Twitter. The Twitter will stay the same as well. It's at Elsnerds. Um, you could follow myself on Twitter. I'm at that Gregor. Corey, you are at Captain Temerity. Uh, uh, mostly, at, I'm at Don't Ask Comics these days. That's or me. Don't Ask Comics. Twitter. Or Podcast of Terror. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt wishes I was there more. Yeah. And then, send all your hate tweets to at Podcast of Terror. Yes. Um, you can find Beatmaster at Beatmaster80. You can find Evan over at Mr. Underscore Fusion. Um, and Sean, what about you? Where can people find you? Uh, best place is uh, at Wolf King Podcasts or at Trivia Geek Show. And I don't think Sean has pitched it enough. Uh, Trivia Geeks is an awesome podcast. Yes. Uh, awesome to be on and awesome to listen to. Yes, which... When that is... hour comes out from the marathon this weekend, we had um, Hammond, Chamberlain, and Jackie Hearn back on again. That was our episode 10 where we, we pretty much officially decided the wheels had come completely off the bus for Trivia Geeks when Jackie and Hammond were on. and They came back as part of the... the uh, uh, marathon this weekend and I spent about an hour laughing and it, it was just really just unbelievable with those two again no, yeah and um, that's great um, and we need to get a Else Nerds battle up on there um, which just mainly means one of us has to get off our butt and schedule the thing I know yeah <laughs> um, but May is wide open that's nice to hear um Facebook, you can follow us at Facebook, facebook.elsners.com. Um, watch.elsners.com will take you to the YouTube stuff. Um, elsners.com will take you to where the final destination. Um, and we record every Monday night-ish um, from 9.30 p.m. or at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Est, uh, Western. I'm sorry, Eastern. Pacific. Yeah, Pacific. <laughs> um, 2.30 a.m., uh, UK time so you can figure it out the rest of the areas and for one last time here out by ourselves this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production we will see you guys next time take care everybody <laughs>